0: Happy Tuesday,
1: everyone. Patriots Beat Podcast, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth with you for the next hour. We're going to talk a little bit of Cam Newton at the top of the show. Then we're going to get into some of your questions. You can drop them in the chat. We will answer as many as we can after we bring up the question of the day, how Cam Newton keeps his starting quarterback job. And Alex, I look at this as a three-pronged plan for Cam. And I want to lay it out for you. We can deliberate in the middle of each uh, bullet point I have here. But the first prong of this plan that I see for Cam is having a better grasp of pre-snap indicators and pre-snap tells by the defense. Because I think one of the biggest things that Josh McDaniels does well as an offensive coordinator, and we've talked a little bit about McDaniels off the show, just how good is he? And and now is sort of his time with the weapons that they have at a rookie quarterback in the first round to really flex his muscles as an offensive coordinator. But one of the things that he does really well with formations and with motion is give the quarterback as much information as possible before the ball is snapped, right? If you have a a formation where the running back is flexed out wide and a linebacker is over him, you know it's probably man coverage. If Jacoby Myers comes in motion across the formation and he's followed by a defensive back, you know it's probably man coverage. So from there you can say man, you can look at the safety uh, alignment pre-snap and get a pretty good idea of what's going on for the defense coverage-wise. that That's number one I, in terms of what he can do. And you kind of take that to the next step, right, of understanding how to set protections, being a step ahead of the coverage with the pre-snap indicators and the tells that McDaniel's is giving him. And the one stat I wanted to drop in here, Alex, is Cam Newton ranked 31 out of 32 quarterbacks in passer rating against the Blitz last year, 71.8. Can you name the only quarterback that had a worse passer rating than Cam against the Blitz a year ago?
0: Uh, the way you set that up means it's somebody funny. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo? No, but I'll I'll
1: give you a hint. It's somebody that you always have been a believer in, and I always laugh at you for being a believer in. Oh, Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke, there you go. So Drew Locke is the only quarterback in the NFL last year to post a lower passer rating against the Blitz than Cam Newton. And now obviously – There's a lot of factors that go into that. But, Cam, control what you can control because now you don't have Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird and Ryan Izzo as your primary pass catchers. You do have some guys that can catch the ball and make things happen. So going out there, understanding protections, understanding coverage cells before the snap, Cam talks about it a lot, pre-snap information and knowing what he's do, looking at pre-snap often leads to post-snap success. So we talk a lot about Cam taking that next step of evolution in this offense and his understanding of the offense. I think it starts right there with being able to control things and plan things for post-snap success with his pre-snap reads of the defense.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think it just comes down to, you know, a lot of what you said, familiarity, not just with the system, but with his teammates and the biggest defense of Cam last year. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, and I'm not saying it's entirely right either, but there is something to it. The, the biggest, uh, issue for Cam last year was not having that preseason and not getting to, to build that familiarity, both with the team of uh, the playbook and his teammates. This year, he should absolutely have that opportunity, right? Uh, to he's had that opportunity in minicamp. He will ideally continue to have that opportunity in training camp. We'll see how much they split the reps with him and Mac Jones, and that will tell us a lot. But just being on the same page as everybody, being on the same page as McDaniels, being on the same page as his receivers, being on the same page as his offensive line, this team was not on the same page last year quite a bit, significantly more than we ever saw in the last 20 years, right? And we're going to know pretty quickly if, them not being able to be on the same page was just due to the staggered off season or just, you know, they couldn't all figure it out. And Brady was the one who mastered this offense and he's the only one who can do it. And they need to change things. We'll find that out pretty quick. And that all centers around Cam because he is the quarterback. He is the communicator. He is the glue. He is going to be the one it's his job, right? I would even say more so than Josh McDaniels. It's Cam Newton's job to make sure everybody's on the same page or Mac Jones. If Mac Jones is the quarterback, you know, that position it's that position's job to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing at any given moment.
1: Yeah, I always reference that podcast that we had with Tim Jenkins when we talk about all this stuff with Cam, cause I thought he summed it up so perfectly about the pre-snap and, and what Cam needs to do better in that, in that phase of well, the game. Well, Cam even
0: said it a couple yeah. of weeks ago, right? When we talked yeah. to him that the pre-snap stuff, he wasn't, he wasn't good enough and he, right. he didn't know enough to, to do what he needed to do.
1: Right. And so I think what Tim said that was so important was that as the season progressed, teams recognized, "Wow, if we just apply pressure, this is a timing-based system, right? And if we apply pressure to it, and with Cam's sort of lack of knowledge of the scheme because he's so new in it, that if we bring blitz pressure, if we bring zero pressure, if we bring any sort of exotic pressure, look at the quarterback. That the whole the the train's going to fall off the rails, right? It, 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 at least." Better so for the defense's perspective than sitting back in coverage was bringing heat on the Patriots and forcing Cam and his receivers to operate quickly under pressure. And that's something that new teammates are going to struggle with, new quarterback in the offense is going to struggle with. So we're in year two now. He has better pass catchers around him now. Taking a step forward in that department, I think, is going to be critical for him to hold off Mac Jones. And and the last thing I'll say about it is is that there were times last year, certainly late in the game, when, okay, like Denver, for example, that very last play of the game, they just brought the house, right? They, they said, we don't, we're going to just bring a zero blitz. We're not going to really, uh, expect Cam Newton to be on the same exact page as Nikhil Harry to throw this little curl route and, and get the ball out in time and get it accurately over there to complete the first down and keep the chains moving and keep the game alive. Because if you remember that play, Nikhil Harry, if he catches that ball in rhythm and makes one guy miss, it's a game-winning touchdown, right? But that timing was just enough off, and Denver got just enough heat quickly enough on Cam that it ended up being a loss. And then later on in the season when they were playing Houston, Houston brought that double-edge pressure at Cam, and there was an unblocked runner, and Cam had no place to go. He tried to spin out of it, couldn't spin out of it, another L. So those types of situations, late in games, late game execution, they cost them, at least in those two games, I'm sure it cost them in a couple of other their losses as well, of just being able to execute while under pressure and knowing where your answers are and knowing where just kind of being in that rhythm and being in that trust. And I think that is mentally where the next step is. I think we talk a lot about, post snap stuff, like reading coverages and option routes and all that kind of thing. I think that the pre snap stuff is way more important than, than any of the post snap stuff. Not that the post snap stuff isn't important, but I just think pre snap cam needs to be able to control the game a little bit better than more, maybe more so than what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And again, it, it's, it's tough to, you know, cause we want to sit here and have answers on, what is it, June 29th. We're, we're not going to know until. At least the first preseason game, right? And that's where, you know, cause this is, this is what I think the conversation, the quarterback conversation is going to come down to is how well, how comfortable is Cam in that offense pre snap? And that, that to me is going to be the deciding factor, right? I, I don't remember right. exactly what you titled this show, but something along the lines of, you know, how does Cam Newton keep his job? It's what he does before the snap. I think the rest will come, right? You talk about the missed throws last year. Those are certainly concerning, but you know, Confidence helps, and I think if, you know if if he can handle things pre snap better, it's going to make things easier for him after the snap um so that's the you know that that's the center of the argument, and we're going to be sitting here saying, who should start should it be cam should it be Mac with the huge gaping hole in knowledge that we properly need to answer the question so you know i I don't want to be the wet blanket, I don't want to rain on everybody's parade, but it's it's impossible to say, answer this question right now, and I'm sure we're going to try for the next two months. I'm sure we are, and that's fine because we need stuff to talk about. But, you know, I feel like it's just going to keep coming back to this point.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, number two, and Alex, I want to use a golf analogy because you play a lot of golf. I I, I know
0: you're trying to get me out on the links as well. Wait, seriously, like we need to make that happen. We do need to make that happen. Please badger Evan on Twitter to get him. (laughs) He doesn't think it will be fun. It's Maybe not today. You know, it's a little hot. I'm just so bad, bad. to get him to golf. I, I, I'm just so bad
1: that, like, after the third but or fourth hole, I'm just like, I'm over it. Like, this but is that's too, not the point. Too hard.
0: I the just, point is, you're just at, you turn your phone off. You go out there. You walk around a little bit. You hit some balls. You might have a couple drinks. It's just relaxing. It's just you unplug. You don't. If you're worrying about how well you're playing, you're doing it wrong. I play with people who worry about how well they're playing. They're very annoying to play with. You're just out there having fun. That's the key.
1: Okay, well, I'll take your word for it, and, and okay. you'll get me out there eventually. So, number two, use I golf to,
0: analogy. Yeah, let's hear two,
1: it. I wanted to use a golf analogy for this because I think throwing mechanics and, and generally just throwing as a quarterback is so much like golf because you just want your swing to look the same every single time right? And everybody, when you play golf, has a little bit of a different tweak to it sometimes, and one guy might do this, or one guy might do that. That separates, you know, when you go and you watch Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, like, their swings don't look exactly the same, right? But they both got great golf swings. So, with Cam... I don't want to sit here and say he's got to look like Tom Brady and every single thing has got to be mechanically sound because I don't know if he's ever going to be that type of guy, but whatever your mechanical process is be more consistent with it. Just do it as many times repetitively as you can, because what happened last year his first two weeks of the season. It was looking great in terms of his mechanics, his footwork, keeping his front side closed, which I think is really crucial for all of this as well. And then Week three, everybody talks about the post-COVID stuff. Week three against the Raiders, it already started to teeter, right? And then the COVID thing really threw it off the tracks. But whatever your process is, be consistent with it and just try to replicate it as much as you can. And I mentioned front side close, and what I mean by that is front shoulder, front foot, front hip, right? That that sort of uh, three – Points of your body for every quarterback is absolutely critical to accuracy that's where accuracy really starts and what happened with cam last year when he was not throwing the football well was that front hip front shoulder front foot would fly open early and he would be breaking the mechanical chain and not able to get as much velocity on the football as he wants and a lack of control on the ball as well so keep the front side closed be consistent with your mechanics and at least give the Patriots what you gave them, let's say at the first two weeks of the season last year. If you can do that repeatedly, then yeah, he's not going to be as accurate as Tom Brady. He might not be as quick through the progression as Tom Brady, but at least he'll be better than he was when it really kind of went off the rails for him last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, to extend your analogy, we see this all the time with pitchers, right? In baseball, you know, it, it, and actually, jump shots too in basketball. It doesn't necessarily have to be the textbook way you coach it, but if you find something that works for you, that's all well and good. Just make sure that you're able to duplicate that. It's something you can duplicate. It's something you do over and over and over. Aaron Rodgers is a guy like this. Philip Rivers, where you know you wouldn't necessarily teach somebody, even Patrick Mahomes, you wouldn't necessarily teach somebody right. to throw a football the way those guys throw the football, but it works for them. And the fact that they can consistently replicate it and be successful doing that allows them to do it. So that's kind of where that's kind of to me where Cam is at is he has a motion that works for him. We know that. Right. He won an MVP. You don't win an MVP without a throwing motion that works for you. But that was five years and a couple injuries ago. And it seems like he's trying to tweak it or maybe consciously or subconsciously. It might be the injuries that are making him tweak it. and He either doesn't realize or he can't help it. But it's it's getting back to that motion or figuring out a new motion at this stage of his career that's going to go a long way.
1: Yeah, and just keeping it in that in that rhythm and keeping it in that kind of they talk about it with hitters all the time too, right? It's just like being able to to swing through a baseball the same way and ha- kind of have that feel to it, right? And it's the same thing with a quarterback is you want your mechanics, you want your throwing motion, you want everything to just kind of feel right. Right, and I think that right. that's really key for Cam as well, and I I know he's down there working with uh, George Whitfield Jr. on his throwing mechanics. post yesterday a couple of things on his Instagram, and George Whitfield did as well. They've worked together for the last couple of years, and that I think is something that I I would really. I hope that Cam can get down, Pat, because the, the rest of it, I think, can fit through. I think he can get the rest of it to work if he can figure out how to keep his mechanics stable. Right, so I, I think that's a big part of it as well. And I, Alex, I love that you're arguing with the people in the chat already. We can, I they, could can help answer at the I chat like, a little bit
0: more. Like, yeah, I like Justin Fields. I like Trey Lance. I would have been happy to you happy were not, happy yeah, either you, of You were a Mac but, Jones guy. I'll give it to you. I, I, I want. It's not just I was a Mac Jones guy. I was the first Mac Jones guy. That's what I want the credit for. So yeah, anyway. yeah, and also to be
1: to be clear, we are going to do the exact same show next tuesday about mac jones and how mac jones can win the starting job so we're we're, we're gonna make this full circle yeah. i promise i want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag bet online the fastest and easiest way to be in bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL and all your UFC, MMA action. Real time, updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, s- scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit all right the third and final thing on on my three-pronged plan for Cam Newton to continue as the starter of the Patriots be Cam Newton right? Because this is, I think, a really key part to all of this as well. We can talk about the mechanics, we can talk about the the throwing motion, the accuracy, the reads, all that kind of stuff. But the last sort of piece of the puzzle, and not that he's ever gone away from this, but in terms of being Cam Newton, I mean, the energy, the leadership, the intangible stuff, and then obviously the athleticism, right? And I thought at times last year, Obviously, as a designed runner, the athleticism took over a bunch, right? Right. But he needs to be able to be an off-script magician. He needs to be somebody that creates – when the play breaks down and the structure falls apart, Cam needs to be able to scramble or he needs to be able to create and throw on the move because that is one element of the game that he's going to have a leg up over Mac Jones, right, is that he can move around, that he has athleticism, that he can run, so – being very 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 good as an athlete is going to be a must for Cam Newton as well to stave off Mac because Mac is not going to bring that to the table and the last thing I just wanted to make what last point I want to make is that Cam wears his emotions on his sleeve for better or worse you can tell if Cam's having a good game and you can tell when Cam is having a bad game and when he's playing well he is jubilant Right? He's bouncing around. He's energetic. He's flying around. He's doing the Superman stuff. He's doing all the, all these types of things. And you can just tell that he's feeling himself. Right? And last year, there wasn't enough Cam feeling himself. So the energy, the bravado, the confidence, and then obviously being a superb athlete and a supreme athlete compared to Mac Jones, that is the one thing that Cam Newton, I think, can 100% do and be able to separate himself from Mac.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it all ties together to to go back to where we started with this. Like, you know, you look good, you play good, you feel good. And and this isn't just Cam, this is most athletes, it can snowball. You play well, you feel good. You feel good, you play well. You play well, you feel good. And it just builds and builds on itself. And it goes back to that comfort I talked about, right? If Cam can get more comfortable pre-snap, he's going to be more comfortable pro-snap, post-snap. Post-snap, he'll play better. He'll start feeling better. He'll get in his rhythm You know, he'll start feeling it and then it just, it all builds on itself. That's what I feel like was missing last year. Every time it felt like he was building a little bit of momentum, something would happen, whether it was COVID, whether it was a turnover, you know, some of them were his fault, some of them weren't, but something would happen, a a penalty, a bad play call that would just zap him right out of it. So I think it's so, so important. If Cam Newton wants to improve and have a bounce back year, he's got to be comfortable. He has to put himself in, and look, The team can certainly do things to put him in a position to succeed. They've done that in terms of personnel. We'll see what Josh McDaniels does in terms of play call. But at a certain point, it's just you know Cam has to do it for himself. And I'm not saying he's not doing it. I don't know that he is or not. It seems like he is. It seems like he's working out a lot this offseason, specifically on the things he needs to work on. But if Cam gets comfortable, I think you're going to see a whole new guy, and that could be exciting.
1: Yeah, and I just want to just clarify. I'm not talking about – the dancing at practice and, and all that, like that stuff, you, you, we're all take it or leave it on that at this no, point, I, right? You know
0: what I think, but I, I, I do think that's an important part of it. I yeah. think, you know, because you, you said it, Cam's got to be Cam. And, you know, if that helps him feel loose and relaxed and, sure. you know, relaxed in a good way where he's not overthinking things and he's just in his rhythm and in his own, then he should absolutely dance at practice. Like, I think that, You know, whatever works for him. And that's not for everybody. I'm not saying that Mac Jones would be a better quarterback if he went out there and danced like that, if he could dance like that. I I just think that, you know, that's part of who Cam is, and he's got to do that. Frankly, if he came out to, like, warm up for a game and he wasn't dancing and he wasn't doing any of that, I would probably see that as a red flag. This guy's tense. This guy's nervous. This guy's not in the right headspace right now. I think doing that is important so that he can get himself right mentally because that's the only way. A lot of his mistakes last year were mental, as much if not more than physical. He's got to be in the right spot mentally to come back and bounce back
1: and a lot of it snowballed on him too right it's like going right. and clicks and like you just got deeper oh, and deeper can snowball and deeper. either way yeah right and, and I, I think think that that's something that you definitely have uh, have to look out for with cam is it, those mistakes really start to add up as like you said and and that was key so that's those are my three things if there's anything that i you feel like i missed out but i i feel like that basically encapsulates to me if cam can improve in all of those areas then maybe he can be, uh, he can continue to be the starter here.
0: Yeah. As I think that, and I've gone on this rant a million times, I think that they value experience at that position. I think if it was up to Bill, he would like to give Mac the full year to learn and grow. Right. And, you know, so I think Cam, at least initially is going to kind of have a little bit longer of a rope and it's going to be a little bit longer before they're willing to give him the hook. So. If he can, you know, he's got, if he can run with that early, even if he has a couple good weeks early, even if he struggles later in the year, I think, you know, they'll look back at what he did early in the season, kind of what happened last year and point to that. So, uh, you know, I think that he, he certainly has the inside track at this point. I, I would agree with that. All right. So,
1: like I said, next week we are going to do the opposite. How does Matt Jones win the starting job and take it from Cam Newton? So next Tuesday, come back here, we'll do that. But right now we want to take all your questions. I, this is a hot-button topic. Cam is, to me, Alex, I, I think we've only been doing this. I've only been doing this, I should say. Uh This is my fourth year, first season on the beat. There's no athlete like Cam Newton. This is the most volatile athlete that I've ever covered. You're either extremely pro-Cam or you're extremely anti-Cam yeah. and there's not a ton of middle ground. You I was doing, you. I
0: was doing some Celtic stuff when Ky, at the end of Kai okay, run. Yeah, Kyrie, that was, yeah. that was up there. You know what? And uh, the, the Red Sox have had some guys too, I think. David Price. David Price was up there. David Price was up there. I don't know. I just feel like there's nothing David harder. Price. I think because it's football and Cam's a quarterback. But David Price was, like, the highest paid pitcher in the history of baseball when they brought him in. Yeah. I don't know. You, it's a really good point. I, I never really thought about it that way. You know, most polarizing Boston athlete. Um, Cam's probably up there. He's certainly up there. But, you know, I, I'd i probably put David Price ahead of him. And, if, look, if Cam has the ending Price did, boy, wouldn't that be awesome.
1: All right. I'll, I guess I'll take it. But I, I definitely – a very volatile athlete for sure. Someone that that you either like or you hate, I think in terms of the reaction that I've seen anyways, uh, Drop your questions in the chat. Now's the time. If you have a question for us, anybody on the roster doesn't have to be cam related. It can be cam related, but just anything that you want to talk about here, uh, we will take the next uh, 20 minutes to half an hour or so uh, to break down. We can probably up, even
0: go, I would even say, you know, if you have a general NFL question, we can probably go around the league too at this point sure. of the year. You know, we'll, we'll sure. open it up a little bit. Sure.
1: So there was one
0: question i can't i'm trying to scroll back and and
1: find it about the differences between the carolina offense and what the patriots have cam Newton doing here and actually a lot of uh here it is a lot of the things that uh in the run game that josh mcdaniels did last year was actually taken from what the Panthers have done over the years with Cam Newton. A lot of the design quarterback runs, Power Reed, for instance, when they pull the guard around and Cam's the the, uh, primary ball carrier, that's a big Carolina type of play. Uh, A lot of the stuff they did on the goal line was a big Carolina uh, package, I I would say. But from a passing game perspective, I think the biggest difference between what they did in Carolina and what they were doing here in New England last year is that in Carolina – four out of five of the receivers in the route were locked, right? Their routes were locked, right? You run a curl, you run in the curl. You run in a go, you run in the go. There's no conversions. There's no site adjustments. There were some option routes, particularly when Greg Olson was involved in Carolina. He had a lot of Y option types of branches where he could break off routes and move in different directions based off the coverage. And then when Christian McCaffrey got there to Carolina, he became heavily involved in those like James White style option routes, right? But – I would say that it was a very different offense in terms of routes being locked down the field for the most part and not as many sight adjustments. But at the same time, there were some – he was doing some of the things that he's doing here now, especially when it comes to the running game. I thought that was an interesting question, though, because we I don't think we have – we've talked a lot about the Patriots and their adaptations, but how much adaptation Cam has had to come from Carolina to New England has sort of gotten brushed out of the rug.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with all that. I don't know if, Let, uh, if you want yeah. to jump to another question. There Let's, was an interesting one Yes, about what's – I didn't read the full question. What's going to help Cam more, the tight ends or something? I didn't see the second half.
1: Uh, here we go. Here is that one. What do you guys think will be bigger help for Cam, the Stacto line, or the tight end receiver additions? Well, he had a pretty good offensive line last year, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think this group – May, well, I don't know. They, they lose Joe Tooney. They add Trent Brown. They move on Wenu inside, and then it's it's the same line other than that.
0: So, I, I Well, don't let's know. not forget they were kind of banged up at times last year too, right? Sure. You know, David Andrews missed a couple games. I think Shaq Mason missed a game or two, right? Uh Isaiah Wynn missed some time. So, you know, I maybe replace stacked with healthy would be the way to ask this question, but it's a very good question. Um, I think the tight end receiver additions will certainly help. The – I'm going to kind of go, you know, a roundabout way here. I think the the offensive line will help the running game, which will help Cam. Right. I think that, you know, they're just going to be, I think the play action is going to be a much more, you know, and it kind of ties all this together. I think the play action is going to be a much more effective uh uh play call for them this year than it was last year. And that, that goes to the new receivers, that goes to the offensive line as well. So this is a very good question, but I'll, I'll pull a bill here. Complimentary football. They're all going to help each other.
1: There you go. I, I would say I agree. I almost put play action as another part of my pronged plan because Cam last year was not a very effective play action passer, and he's actually been sort of a middle-of-the-road play action passer for most of his career. He's not the type of guy that's going to turn his back to the defense and pull off a really, like, elongated fake and, and, and get the whole defense to bite and that type of stuff. But when he's running play action from shotgun – and he's able to look at the – or pistol – and he's able to look at the defense and manipulate him, that defense, with his legs, you know, just the threat of his legs. Then things become a lot more effective for him. So shotgun play-action concepts, I think, are going to be a big part of their offense if Cam continues to be the starter. And I think that that needs to be an even bigger part of their offense than it was last year. And the one thing I think that tight ends can really help with is instead of making Cam throw horizontally leading throws – being able to just run those guys up the seams and hit the play action behind it, right? So you you get the play action to bite, you get that linebacker level to move up, and you get Hunter Henry behind it or Johnny Smith behind it. You know, I think that that can be helpful for him and, and get away from sort of the crossing routes from the slot from a Jacoby Myers type or or Nelson Aguilar on a deep over or something like that because Cam has been a lot more effective throwing vertical Passes up the seams, go balls, things like that, then throwing horizontally across the field. So, so I think that that could help them with the tight ends and the play action, I agree, is, is a huge part of it. Like I said, I, I almost put that in the plan, but I think it all kind of goes together. Um, we do right. have
0: a little bit of breaking news. It's, oh. not, it's, it's, it's July breaking news. It's not real oh. breaking news, but That's it is interesting. It. This, okay. this is going to end up being a story because it is July uh, or it's, it's June, but it's basically July. Uh, so CBS Sports HQ tweeted the ten highest-paid defensive backs in football. Okay. Yep. You see where I'm going with this? Stephon yes. Gilmore quoted the tweet. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Dot. 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 Oh no.
1: There's the leverage, right? I mean, that's that's his leverage right now. Is to well, be like, okay. here's you want to go the top ten? This. Yeah. Go
0: you right want to go through the top ten yes. and you tell me, you tell me which of these guys deserve to be paid more than Stephon Gilmore? Yeah. I'll go one to ten. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. He's better. This younger, is, younger and on the same level, so, right? So, so, right. So this is AAV, not this year money, okay. not, right. So age factors here. I think that's fair. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen yeah. Ramsey. Marlon Humphrey is second.
1: Okay. I, I, Gilmore is a better player than Marlon Humphrey, but Marlon Humphrey is substantially younger
0: than Stefan Right. Gilmore, so the age so. here. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'll retweet this if, if people want to see it at real Alex Barth. Um, uh, Tradavius White. Oh this is this is an age old argument, right? Like uh
1: I Trey White's so good in what they do at Buffalo and Gilmore's so good in what they do in New England. And but if you flip them, I I, I think Gilmore I think they'd both be wor- a lot worse. You know, like they're very scheme dependent type of players. So I think Gilmore should be paid on the same level as Trey White. Let me put it to you that way. I think that they're okay. close. I don't think Trey White's that much older than he is. Well, or younger. So younger excuse me. So then Darius Slay. Oh, he should be making more than Darius Slay. We've been over that one. Okay, and then so so it seems like we're tipping. I'll give you the bottom Trey five. White is twenty six, so he's a lot younger than Gilmore. Right. He's four. I'll or give five you years. the bottom
0: five. Tell me if any of these guys should be making more than Gilmore: Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, James Bradbury, Marcus Peters, Trey Wayne, William Jackson. Maybe Xavier Howard. He
1: he's a really good corner.
0: Okay. So, Byron Jones
1: is very overrated in my opinion. Like a, a good starting corner, but not top five, right. top six money. So I don't know. It, to me, Xavier Howard is the only one in that group that deserves to be paid more than Stefan Gilmore.
0: So okay, so so here's where it's in. We'll use this as a thought experiment, right? If we're doing AAV, so you had him below Mar Marlon Humphrey, on par with Tredavious White, maybe Xavier Howard. So. White uh, – uh Humphrey's 19.5 AAV. Okay. White's 17.3. Slay and Jones are about 16.5, and, and then Howard is 15. So you're probably looking at paying Gilmore based on what you said. You would pay him about, you know, high hot 16, high 16, 16, I, yeah, 16, 16 al- 17, 18. I've
1: always thought from an AAV standpoint that 16 was the number for them, right? So like White's a, at 17.3. Year- Three years, right, but he's, he's four, four and a half years younger than Stefan Gilmore. Well, so So, if he,
0: if Gilmore comes to you and says, I want two years, but I want to beat Trey White's AAV, would you give him that?
1: I would give it to him, but I, I highly doubt that they would, but I I would give it to him just because, like we've, like we've said all offseason now, they built this roster to be good right now, right? They didn't build this roster as a, as a long rebuild, right? This is not a three right. to five year rebuild. This is them thinking that they can put in a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones in a really good veteran roster and be good right away. And if that's the plan, then you need Stefan Gilmore. So I if he wants sixteen, seventeen mil and he's willing to take a hit on the years on the longevity of the contract and he only wants two extra years tacked on to his current deal or something like that, then I'd do it. Yeah,
0: yeah I i I'm probably looking in that range. Something like that. So it's uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment to look at that and kind of see it all. I guess you know, I I you know, you look at where Gilmore ranks and you kind of scroll down that list and he's twenty sixth. He's the twenty right. sixth highest paid corner in football this year. It's um, crazy. You don't really look at the top ten and think, you know, we we've looked at him compared to Darius Slay, but when you look at him in that context, it's certainly interesting. I think, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's two years, thirty five million. Maybe that's the deal that gets it done. I think that that you know. If if you can do that where this year is year one of that deal, I think that's – if the Patriots can swing that, I think that would be a really good deal.
1: This also speaks to – Stefan Gilmore, I think this is still an open dialogue. Like, this is not – we're not in the hostile situation yet with the, with the holdout. You no, know I what mean, I mean? Right? I
0: think he's just being a little bit of a wise-ass. I don't yeah, think yeah. that there's anything, you know right. – I think that
1: he yeah. is very much open for business with the Patriots and is is willing to come to a resolution. But clearly, he is underpaid at his current number and deserves a pay raise. And I, I do think that there is a common ground. Uh, should we go back to some of these questions? Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was probably no, worth no.
0: bringing up. So
1: it was. That's that's a good point. All right, wide receivers. Uh, our our buddy Mike. Asking us, are the wide receivers actually good or are they just better than last year? I think this is a really good way of posing this question because this is, I think, sort of what's on everybody's mind, right? Is Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers that much better than Jacoby Myers, Demir Bird, Nikhil Harry? Or are we just happy that there's new faces? Are these guys
0: actually that much of upgrades? Where do you kind of stand on that? Um, I, I I think there's certainly some upgrades, and I again I'll I'll kind of talk around this one because it's been something I've been saying from the beginning. You know, the wide receivers are better. I like Kendrick Bourne. We'll see what Nelson Aguilar is if he can. You know, if last year was an anomaly or not the pass catchers are better because of the tight ends. And that, I urge people, is how you look at it because you're not just throwing the ball to the wide receivers. It's not 1972, and tight ends are essentially extra offensive linemen. So let's talk about the pass catchers as a whole. I think the wide receivers are better. I think the pass catchers as a whole are very good.
1: Yeah, I actually think that the wide receivers are a lot better because, uh, to me, Nelson Aguilar is a big-time – upgrade over Demir Bird. I, I liked Demir Bird. I, I thought that he was a nice Philip Dorsett type of receiver, you know, a guy that can play a certain role for you. I think Aguilar can really come in here and and present a true deep threat that defenses are going to have to account for, because last year with the Raiders, teams didn't really account for him all that much because they're worried about Rugs, they're worried about Renfro, they're worried about the run game and, and a Jacobs and things like that, and he had a very good season. He was, what, I think like 12 yards shy of a 1,000. He led the league in yards per reception. I think you can be a true field stretcher that does change how teams game plan against you just a little bit, and I think Kendrick Bourne is a pretty big upgrade over what they got, at least out of Nikhil Harry, because at least he is a professional route runner and somebody that can be reliable and somebody that will battle and get open and catch those tough passes over the middle and in between the numbers. And I think that that's enough of an upgrade to me between Boren being able to just be more consistent and more reliable than a guy like Nikhil Harry and Aguilar being a little bit more of an impact player over the top. I'm not saying that they went from – 06 to 07, right? It's not, they didn't have Randy Moss and Wes Welker in, in this group this offseason, but I do think their wide receivers, uh, got better this offseason. A
0: lot better. I, that remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I, but again, I, 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 just struggle. You're right. I don't disagree. I struggle to look at it that way. To me, uh, it is. I, I
1: just wanted to answer the question. I agree no, no, with No, no, no. And that's totally fair. That's totally I agree with care, what
0: you say, Right. I would say, you know, if you're a Patriots fan, you're looking at it this way. You're not asking the full question. So. Right.
1: Okay. Uh we've talked a lot about the edge players so far this off season since OTA's mini camp. But it's a good question because Chase Winovich, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Dante Hightower, if you want to throw Josh Uche as an edge defender, if uh, Anthony Jennings, Ronnie Perkins, that's what, just seven guys I just named right there and you can only start presumably two of them, right? I mean, unless you want to count three, if you want to count Uche as sort of like a hybrid defender, which I would. But let's just say week one, it's, it's the end of June. It's way too early to do this. But week one, who's starting as you're starting to bookend edge rushers?
0: um, Probably Van Noy and Judon, again, because of the veteran thing. But I... I, I think they're going to use the hell out of this group. I think you're going to see a lot of rotation, a lot of different combinations. I don't know that you're going to see any of these guys outside of maybe Judon play more than 50% of the snaps. I, I said this on a show we did a couple of weeks ago, Evan. It kind of reminds me of the, the NASCAR defense the Giants had, and I know that that's a painful memory for Patriots fans, but I think they're going to rotate these guys in, keep them fresh. I think, you know, conditioning and just – Always having, you know, a, an energized guy on the field, or as the other team's offensive line might start to get gas, I think that's something they're going to use to the, uh, their advantage. So, yeah, again, I'll go with Van Noy and Judon, I guess, as the starters, right, officially, because that's generally what they do. They they award the veterans, but you know, all those guys you just named, Uche, Winovich. Um, uh, they might use Hightower on the edge, Perkins, Ronnie Perkins, right? I, I think they're going to get all these guys in, and I think that they're going to play them all and give them all opportunities, maybe some more than others, but I think they're going to take advantage of that depth and use that rotation to their advantage and try to gas opponents.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree as well. All right, running backs. Uh, why has there been so little conversation about running backs during minicamp? That's because they're not wearing pads. So
0: we're well, most of not... them haven't been there.
1: Right. Too. A couple of them haven't been there, and on top of that, without contact, you're really not having any sort of evaluation whatsoever of the run game, right? These are walk, basically walk-through periods when they do run game right. stuff. With that, all that being said, uh, Michael here said Sony ended the season strong. Damian Harris obviously was somebody that broke onto the scene last year. Ramondre Stevenson, I wrote about this last week. There's six running backs on the roster right now that presumably have a case to make the team. And the Patriots notoriously have only kept four, maybe if you're pushing it five. So someone's gonna have to be the odd man out of this group. Uh on again, June, what, 29th, we're at right now, Alex. Where, right. where's where's your gut telling you who's the odd man out?
0: Uh, I, I don't, I don't think there is an odd man out. I, you, I said this last week. I still think that they might add a running back, and it's probably one on one off. I, so it depends who they add. It's between J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden. I don't know that they're going to trade Sony Michelle. I think they'll like having a running back on the last year of his deal and try to take advantage of that. I know that's been the popular cut. Um, you know, I think Damian Harris obviously is a lock. I would consider James White a lock. Uh, and I'm missing some there. No, I'm not because Rex Burkett's not here anymore. That's the fourth. Um, uh, oh, and Ramondre Stevenson obviously is a lock. Uh, that should go without saying. So it's probably between J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden, but both of those guys, you know, Bolden brings veteran experience. He brings special teams ability. He brings leadership. J.J. Taylor brings upside, which I think is exciting. He brings a slightly different dynamic that you don't have, sort of that Deion Lewis type of back where he's an early yeah. down back, but he's not a bigger bowling ball guy. So I think they are going to try to keep all six. I would certainly try to keep all six. I did in my last roster projection. That's also a position where traditionally you suffer a ton of injuries. You certainly want to have depth. I I can't give you an on-man out. I don't know who it is. I think Taylor and and Bolden are the closest, but I'd keep them right now.
1: Yeah, when I wrote about this, I mentioned Belichick – always going back to that 2018 season where Cordero Patterson was forced to play running back because everybody got hurt. They had eight running backs that year in camp. Now, some of them were like Ralph Webb and uh they weren't going to make the team. But they had eight running backs in camp. And they only went and carried four of those eight, cutting four of them. And then all four of those guys had injuries at some point, I think, or maybe three out of four. I think James White was able to stay healthy, but he's obviously not a different role altogether. So they had a lot of injuries. They had to put Patterson at running back. So I do think they are going to carry an extra running back. So maybe they get to five. I had six on my second roster production post mini camp it It does feel like a lot right it It does
0: feel like that's that's a little bit too many, but, but this is a team i think they're they're all guys who give you different things, and it's a team that's going to run the ball a lot so I think if there's a position you're going to be heavy, I think running back is one that is justified
1: right so here Here's a kind of good follow up question to this conversation. They have all these running backs. They do have a bunch of tight ends. We know that they might have Jakob Johnson on the team as a fullback. Is there a chance, and I have seen some roster projections out there, where they only carry four wide receivers, knowing that they're going to carry four tight ends, a fullback, and five or six running backs, and you go thin at wide receiver. Is that a possibility? Because maybe you can get Isaiah Zuber or Christian Wilkerson or Trey uh, Trey Nixon or someone like that on the practice squad as sort of that fifth guy in that depth.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I could see it happening. I think a couple of other things would need to happen first. I think, you know, we're, we're going to need to see if those practice squad call-ups, right? Remember, like, that's how Zuber came up last year, um, the, like, day of game or the day before practice squad elevations where the guy automatically reverts back. You don't have to subject him to waivers. Uh, I think those coming back certainly help with that. this, like you said, the extra practice squad receiver, whether it's Azub, Isaiah Zuber, whether it's Trey Nixon, whoever it may be. Um, the other thing I think that has to happen is Gunnar Osheski has to have a monster camp. Because he's the fourth receiver here. I don't think he's getting cut. And if they just view him as a special teamer, well, now yeah. you're really keeping three wide receivers, right? At that point, you know, do they view him more in Matthew Slater territory? I don't think he's there yet, nor should he be. But, you know, if a wide receiver in a game goes down and you're not super comfortable throwing the ball to Gunner five or six times a game, now you're down to two wide receivers. And that's really tight, even with two tight ends. So I, I certainly think there's a path to it, but it's going to depend on. Again, Gunner, and I think those new practice squad rules as well.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a huge camp for Gunner because if he is going to be more than a Matthew Slater special teams only type right. of player, this is sort of the year where we would start to see it come a little bit more for Gunner as a receiver. And he did flash a little bit at mini camp, but again, there, there's no contact. So a quick, shifty, speedy guy like Gunner is going to look good in those types of environments, but now's the time where we need to start seeing him at least be able to be a fourth or a fifth wide receiver if somebody gets hurt, if Jacoby Myers or Kendrick Bourne were, were to go down, they need somebody to play the slot. This is a year that Gunner should be able to do that, right, comfortably. Right. And, not, and not have it be an emergency basis like it was in 2019 when he came in that Thursday night game against the Giants, I think it was. Yep. That was for emergency purposes. I'm talking like they can actually give him snaps and trust him there.
0: I, I would add on top of that, too, you know the flip side. If Gunner comes out and is just, you know, gangbusters at camp, this is going to be the take everybody wants to have. This is going to be the hip thing to say. They're only going to keep four receivers. Look how good Gunner's playing. He's going to be the guy. He'll be he'll be number three. They might even keep three receivers. Gunner's so good. Like that's going to be the take if Gunner has a monster camp. By the way, I don't know that Dalton Keen's a lock at fullback because. Neither do I? Right. And and I, I talked about this last week. If they're not going to run a ton of traditional eye – and they're really going to only use that in the goal line. If you want that move fullback, that's actually a really good role for Johnny Smith to throw him the ball out of the backfield. That's going to be a matchup nightmare. And then when you just need that lead blocking fullback, you use, I don't know, Lawrence Guy or you use Justin Heron or you use whoever, an extra lineman. And you can use a linebacker, right? They use the Landon Roberts. I think, you know, if they're going to move on from Jacob Johnson, they're comfortable moving on from the fullback position as a whole. Does keeping Dalton Keene as a fourth tight end just for that little niche spot, does that make sense? And you might be able to get him on the practice squad. Does that make sense compared to, you know, you can keep an extra receiver, you can keep an extra defensive back, you can keep an extra linebacker, and then you just figure out a way to plug that hole at fullback, which we've seen them do before. Bill's been doing that his entire tenure in New England, right? Richard Seymour, uh, lining up in the backfield in the Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers. It's not something he's afraid to do.
1: It's funny because I I just feel like they always fall back on the twenty-one personnel, strong eye, put the fullback in the backfield. And, like, when they don't have offense, like, when they're, like, searching for it offensively, it just seems like the last, I don't know, two or three years, basically since 2018, they've just fallen back on that, right? We're going to put Devlin, we're going to put – Jacob Johnson, we're going to put Landon Roberts even in the backfield, and we're going to put our first-round running back and Sonny Michelle behind him, and we're just going to play bowling, right? We're just going to bowl you over. And that's just sort of been their fallback. And – I wonder if maybe they feel like they still need that contingency because I think they want to be a little bit of a different offense. They certainly want to put two tight ends out there and be more 12 personnel heavy. But when push comes to shove, if they can't get the passing game going, that has been the one thing that they've been able to hang their hats on is being able to be a power running team. And that, since 2018, that's sort of been their only consistent offense, I would say, more or less. I, I, I don't know. I, I had Jakob Johnson off, Dalton Keen on, it, but it does feel like Bill Belichick believes so strongly in fullbacks that it's going to take a lot to to make Jakob Johnson and Keen expendable and not have a, a true fullback on the roster, unless he really believes that a guy like a Johnny who can maybe do that. You know, I don't know if that's what they want to use Johnny as a battering ram, but I guess potentially with his athleticism, his versatility, got some experience in the backfield. Right. It's not, it's not crazy to think that he could do something like
0: that. Well, the one other guy too, I forgot to bring this up. They've used Brandon Bolden as a fullback before. They've used him as an up back in I formation. So, you know, he's back. He's a guy who can factor into that too. I just think they have enough other options where it's not going to be, it doesn't project to be a heavily used role where they'll be able to fill it when they need without dedicating a roster spot to it.
1: All right. So this question gets asked a lot. I don't know how how much credence I really think it. It's such a different apples to oranges comparison. But if you put Tom Brady on the Patriots in 2020, this is a very June question for you, Alex. Uh, how many how many wins do the Patriots get with Tom Brady at quarterback last year?
0: Uh, ten or eleven, probably. Yeah. I, you know, if he's locked in, if he's in, so. This is a weird question because. I think if they still had Tom Brady, I don't think last year's roster is what it is, right? We know they were in on the Stefan Diggs trade initially and then pulled out. You don't make that trade if you don't have a quarterback. I think if Tom Brady's still here, that trade happens. They give up that pick for Stefan Diggs. So now all of a sudden, okay, now there's a passing offense. Maybe they do something different at tight end. Um, you know, Tom Brady on last year's team as it was constructed, probably eight or nine, but I, again, I don't think that team is constructed in that way. Uh, so I I, I bump that number up to eleven or twelve. I think that they have Stephon Diggs or a guy like that last year, if Brady stays around.
1: That's that's a great point. It probably isn't the same team or even close to the same team. They obviously
0: can't control the opt outs, right? Like you, right. Well, you can't predict that Hightower is going to opt out necessarily. So and I I wonder if guys would have opted out. Nobody on the Bucks opted out. They're one of the few teams that had no opt outs. Yeah, I don't think you know. I, I think Brady might have had a part of that. The other thing. You know, er, sorry, go ahead. I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. No, yeah, I, I
1: wonder. I mean, I think in the case like Hightower, he had a newborn baby. His grandmother lives with them. I believe it was or his mother right. and, and had a mental, yeah. had a mental, excuse me, a health uh, complication with COVID that sort of made them more prone to that sort of thing. So, so maybe like, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Hightower still ops out. I think Pat Chung might play. You know, he was sort of somebody that kind of was, Contemplating retirement, anyways, and sort of took the out, right? You know, and kind of took the year off to see if he could kind of get that fire right. again, and he didn't. He, he decided to retire, anyways. So maybe everybody else opts out, or maybe some of those guys come back and play. You know, a guy like Matt Lacoste or Marcus a guy Cannon. like Patrick Chan, Marcus Cannon. But I, I think Hightower still holds out, and and that's or opts
0: out, excuse me, and, that, and that's the biggest one, right? right? Well, but- Even beyond that, I just think you know, when Brady left, and some of this was the dead money in his contract, you could kind of tell, and I wrote about this at the time, they signed a bunch of one-year contracts, short money, and the goal kind of seemed to be, all right, we're going to get through this year, if we win, great, if we don't, it is what it is, and we're going to go all in for 2021, and that's what they've done, right? There, was, there were players they could have brought in last year. There were draft picks they could have traded. There's money they could have spent to make last year's team more competitive. But they didn't have a quarterback at the time. You have to wonder how much Cam Newton was really in the picture, given he didn't sign until four or five months later, right? They're like, are we going to put all this around Jared Stidham? A yeah. Four- pick who we've never really seen. I think there was an idea that there was a two-year picture with Brady gone and they held on to some assets instead of burning them in the short term. I don't think they do that if Brady stays. I'm not saying it was the wrong move to not do it. I actually think they played it perfectly. I was totally fine with them writing off last year. Given everything with COVID, you didn't know what the season was going to look like if there was going to be a season, right? If you trade, you know, a buttload of picks for Stefan Diggs and then all of a sudden there's a four game season and it gets bagged. And that obviously didn't happen, but at the time Remember when free agency was. It was that week. Brady left a week after the shutdown. It was March yeah. 11th and then March 17th. You didn't know there was going to be a season or anything. Why give up all of that for a season you didn't know what was going to happen when they kind of saw what was coming with the cap, they slow played it, they had this two-year build, and it's worked out perfectly. So I don't want that to, to seem like an attack. I think they played it well. But, again, I think they'd burn some more assets in the short term if Tom Brady's still on the team. I don't think that roster looks like what it did. Alright, so we have, uh, one more Brady Belichick okay.
1: question here. We, we we oh boy, I of, love this topic. We we don't have a ton of, uh, of roster questions, you guys are... are this is a
0: great topic. Please ask me down. a bunch of hypothetical questions about situations that don't actually have an answer. I love talking about those kind of questions. I'm gonna make you a talk about this. I don't, don't wanna do X's and O's at all.
1: Does Brady win an 8th Super Bowl or does Bill catch Don Shula? For the wins
0: record, I think Bills. At I got to make up the gap real quick. So
1: I think, uh I, I think it's a pretty substantial gap. Still, I think it's like Shula's three forty-eight, I believe, and and Bills Shula is.
0: Are we? We're including playoffs here?
1: No, it doesn't include playoffs. So, I, I don't think. Playoffs.
0: Okay, yeah. So Shula's at, at three twenty-eight. Bills at two eighty. So that's like forty something. Forty-eight. Uh, forty-eight games. Forty-eight wins.
1: Okay, so assume the Patriots win ten. Wins per season on average. That's being generous, honestly. Uh That that's it's five, five years. more years. So, Bill. Basically, the question is: Does Bill coach five more years, and does Brady win another Super Bowl? Because he was just on the, the shop the other day and said the end is near. I, I think that that's pretty clear. Uh It doesn't. I, so, any NFL record does not include playoffs. I, I can I can tell you that right now. I see that in the chat. If you have an NFL record. I think something like
0: wins works. Wikipedia doesn't only has a regular season. If
1: if you're asking the the official NFL record book, right? Like what's what the official NFL record facts and and records books is, is regular season only for any statistic. Like career passing yards, you don't include playoff yards, right? Career passing TDs, you don't include the playoffs. So, uh, that, that's the, that's the
0: thing. So, will bill though i wonder like would cuz bills 11 closer with the playoffs i wonder if bill looks at it so then that becomes for that becomes 37 which is a lot more doable he could maybe do that in 3 years if mac jones is a hit 37 wins in 3 years including playoffs is not out of the question he might look at that and say that's 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 a gap he can close so um it's so hard to repeat in the NFL. It's so, especially now. It's right. so hard to repeat. And, and Brady
1: has maybe, maybe he has one more year or two more years right. after this, but he's got to win two in Tampa in the succession of three or four years, right?
0: Which is very hard to do. Like, it, it's so hard to repeat. But if anybody's going to repeat, it's Tom Brady, right? I don't know. This is, this is this is actually, if we're going to do Brady versus Bill, this I'd rather discuss it this way. This is actually not a bad question. Um. Uh, I thought this was going to be like, is, is Bill really the Robin to Brady? Uh, uh, you you know, I wouldn't pull there. that up. Um, mm-hmm. eh, it's June. Um, oh, this is tough. I, I think Bill can break the playoff record. I do. I actually think that can happen. Uh, if you, that being, if you include playoff wins, I think he can catch Sula. If not, I'd probably lean toward Brady winning his eighth. I think 31 wins or 37 wins in three or four years is very doable for Bill. I think it
1: is. Yeah, I do. I agree. I think Bill's going to catch Schull, but I also think Brady's going to win his eighth. How about that? that that's. Yeah, fine. I mean, I,
0: I I could see them both happening. I really could. Yeah. So. yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Uh, this, this person's uh talking about Aaron Rodgers crying a little bit more. I always like talking about that. So, uh, you wanted to talk about it around the league a little bit. Uh, what, what do you think happens in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers? I think he ends up playing
0: there this year? So I don't remember who this was. I think it was Christian Arkan pointed this out. There's still an opt out policy in the NFL, like last year. So you can opt yeah. out, right? It, it pushes your contract back a year, just like it did last year. And I didn't, we might see, I guess, some guys opt out, especially, you know, sounds like some guys are hesitant to take the vaccine and they may just not bother playing altogether because it tolls the contract. Aaron Rodgers might opt out. He might just be like, "Screw this! I'll go host Jeopardy for a year." I'm and then you know, Shan
1: Woodley, I don't care. He still,
0: yeah. he still has one year left with the Packers. So if he wants to go back to the Packers and they prove something, you know, it kind of works for both sides. They get a year to try to recruit him back. He doesn't have to play. He might just opt out.
1: It, it's not a bad play by Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he, he's, you opt out, you still have a year left on the. He's got a lot of money still on that deal. I think it's right. $35, $36 million or something like that. Walking but he away still, from that he is, still is has that.
0: It just that money comes in 2022 instead of 2021. And somebody brings up an interesting point. He's not going to give Jordan Love a chance to beat him yeah. out. A- Aaron Rodgers I has had. I don't think Aaron Rodgers cares about Jordan Love, to be so, honest so with you. So here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers has had a good a look at Jordan Love as probably anybody, even more so than maybe some people in the Packers organization. Maybe he knows Jordan Love can't beat him out. Maybe that's why this play is so brilliant. Maybe he walks away for a year. Jordan Love sucks. And then he comes back and says, you're, we're going to do things the way I want to do them. You're going to trade this kid. You're going to give me a contract extension, blah, 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 all of that. So, again, I, I don't know that I put money on it. But, you know, when I heard that theory, again, I wish I could credit who brought it up. I think it was Christian Arkan. Um Opting out actually makes a ton of sense for Aaron Rodgers. It does. It
1: does make a little bit of sense and I again I don't think it's funny because the Packers uh beat writers during minicamp, Jordan Love had a, a big day out at minicamp and it, just like us, you see the tweets, right? You see you see the outpouring of tweets, Jordan Love lit practice on fire, this, that, the other thing. I I don't know. I don't I think Aaron Rodgers knows that he's gonna play somewhere in the NFL if Aaron Rodgers wants to play in the NFL.
0: Right? So But I'm saying what it, if he doesn't? I'm not are saying you maybe, are you maybe, sure he wants to play?
1: Maybe he doesn't want to play this year, but I'm saying, in general, if Aaron Rodgers wants to play another year of football in the NFL, whether it's in Green Bay or it's 30 other teams knocking on the door besides Kansas City, you know, who else? Maybe Buffalo, I guess, is not, you know, calling immediately, right? He knows right. he's going to be able to play. So whether Jordan Love establishes himself in Green Bay or not, I think is, is kind of irrelevant, Because Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to play football, some team is going to gladly welcome Aaron Rodgers to come play football for them with open arms. So I never thought about him opting out for COVID, COVID, you know, reasons, right? I I never really thought of that. COVID Uh, reasons. Right. That's why I did that. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, maybe it's possible. All right. I I know we got a a hard stop at at five o'clock here, Alex. Uh, You do
0: one more. Do you want, do you want want to
1: give a Red Sox take or something like that or? Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh the Red Sox are really good. Everybody should buy in. I think Hunter Renfro is, like, outside of Garrett Richards, and I, I don't blame High and Bloom for Garrett Richards because the, the guy needs to learn how to pitch. He clearly didn't. He clearly was just cheating this whole time. Uh Christian Arroyo's been a fine. Hunter Renfro started slow. He's been a fine. Uh, Adam Adovino was a great pickup. guy. Uh, uh, Garrett Whitlock is going to be a stud in this league, right? He's a reliever now, but he's going to be a starter next year once he's fully recovered from Tommy John. This Red Sox team's a wagon. I said this before uh, when we did a, a Boston Sportsman a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it again. There are a couple smart deadline deals away from being the best team in the American League. I wouldn't sell the farm. I wouldn't trade Tristan Casas. I wouldn't trade Brian Mata. But I wouldn't hate seeing them get aggressive. I think, you know, the other thing is if you're the Red Sox and you're – oh and people – so to backtrack. People have said that High and Bloom, you know – the Tampa Red Sox, he's going to be conservative. He's going to be cost effective. He's going to want to hang on to prospects. If you're Red Sox ownership, Celtics are in a weird spot. The Bruins got eliminated probably earlier than they should have. Even the Patriots are in flux a little bit. You have a real chance to recapture the city after you've made some really, really tough PR moves in the last couple of years, right? Trading Mookie bets, things like that. The fans are not super into the Red Sox in terms of their organizational decision-making. If I'm ownership, I'm leaning on High and Bloom. We have a real chance to kind of recapture the city right now. Let's lean into this. Let's get it. Uh, let's make some moves at the deadline and see if we can make a run here into October. Because there's a real path to them getting to the World Series, I think, if they get aggressive.
1: We already knew Alex Cora was good. I, I think we we now know that High and Bloom's pretty good at his job too. So so that that's a really good power sort of battery to have there, right, with manager right. and general manager and our chief baseball officer or whatever the hell Bloom's title is. And on top of that, they have Xander, they have Devers, they have good young players too to build off of in the future as well and continue this run for a long time. So a really a good baseball team in Boston. I also want to shout out another baseball team real quick, the Hopkinton High School baseball team and my cousin Matt Cooper are playing in the state championship tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so shout out to Matt and uh, the Hopkinton baseball team. Very cool. That is going to be a very cool day. I, I think the game's at like noon or something like that, which is ridiculous. I'm going to try to get out tomorrow. there tomorrow. Oh, yeah, no. but uh yeah, the uh, the D two D two state championship game, Hopkinton. I forget who they're playing, but uh, shout-out to those guys. And Alex and I going to take a brief uh, break on Thursday for July 4th weekend. We'll be back on the podcast on Tuesday. Like I said at the beginning, we'll do a Mac Jones edition of the same question that we have just posed for Cam Newton. So we'll see you next Tuesday, guys, and thanks so much for watching.